I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Gabi Gabi people of southeast Queensland. I honour their continuing connection to land, sea and sky, as well as their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 168. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. And today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Ahmed Juma. Ahmed is the creator of Shookman, a character who represents our fears, anxieties, and is an engaging way for young men to talk about their mental health. Ahmed understands men who feel powerless in life. He used to be that guy. For 10 plus years, Ahmed studied the best courses on human nature, and he has coached 100 plus people around the world and produced podcasts, events, and courses. And you can find him on Instagram at Ahmed Juma. That's A-H-M-A-D dot J-O-O-M-A. Or on his website, which is shookman.com. That's S-H-O-O-K-M-A-N dot com. And on this episode, we talk about men's mental health. We talk specifically about why Ahmed created this anthropomorphized version of fear, which he has called Shook Man, where that kind of came from, and how it is a really great tool to visualize and externalize fear as something that we can speak to and work with and recognize in ourselves. We also talk a bit about the prevalence of anxiety and fear in society and how that can pull us out of being present, talk about the importance of you know, being, being free, essentially, of anxiety. And you know, recognizing that it's still there, but that we can work through it. And we end with a conversation about how anxiety is is evoked in us by consumerism and you know the keeping up with the Joneses mentality and you know all these companies which prey upon our fears and our anxieties and insecurities. So it was a really lovely conversation. I'm so glad that I got to chat with Ahmad, and I highly recommend giving this a listen. So I hope you enjoy. good time to describe what sexual intercourse is so you can understand some of the things we're talking about. At very special times, they like to hold each other close. God made their bodies fit together in a wonderful way. At one of those special love times, the sperm from the man's body can go into the woman's body. And in spite of her piety, she sometimes desires the more solid comforts of her husband Pierre's cut. Well, let's dive in, dude. And, and the way I like to begin is with just a, it's an invitation, mate. It's an invitation for you to share three things. Who are you? What do you do? And what are you passionate about? Cool. So my name is Ahmad Juma. What I do is I'm an artist and I'm using my art to help young men beat fear and create joy in their lives. And what was the third question? What are you passionate about? What am I passionate about? Many things. I'm passionate about life. I'm passionate about getting the most out of life. And I think that's basically what's got me here at this time and space and sharing all these things is that I have spent so much time in trying to maximize my opportunities in life and get the most out of my personal life. And then I've realized, especially after you know the pandemic and everything that happened during that time, a lot of mental health stuff came up. So I'm kind of not kind of, I am passionate about helping others and the next generation being more, what I would call mentally free. Mm. Yeah, beautiful, man. And when you say young men, how old are we talking? Well, when I started, like, so I'm 
Well, I literally just turned 39 yesterday. So like I'm in the late 30s. Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks. (laughs) So initially I'm like, you know, I'm a man in my 30s. I was I was niching around the 25 to 35. But actually now I see like there's a there's a calling and I've already started teaching young kids, boys and girls, age 10 and 11. And so there is no real age limit. I mean, a niche for this for the for the need of business, you know, like into marketing niching. Yeah, but otherwise, like this information and and my work is applicable to everyone. You said you're an artist, right? So you deliver the the teachings and the content through art or through. I, I think you've got a, a, a zine. Is that correct? So, so yeah, so the, th- the whole thing about me being an artist, I didn't even remember that I was an artist until until lockdown. Because then I got back into my creativity and realized, oh, hang on, this is something that, one, I enjoy doing, and two, I'm good at communicating through art. So when I say that I'm, I'm, I'm an artist, like I, I, I draw, I, I doodle, I, I sketch, I communicate in that way, I speak. And so a lot of the work that I've created is, and, and, and I mean, this kind of goes straight into the, the, the essence of what it is that I do with my art, is that I've made the idea of anxiety and fear and that little voice in your head, I've made it visible using art. And, and that I've found to be such a powerful tool. And more recently, I realized the power of it was in helping people to become emotionally aware without having to say being emotionally aware, right? It's because we, we, we will talk about em- emotional topics without ever having to say, oh, by the way, this is emotional awareness or this is emotional intelligence. It's just like, oh, hey, so what are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And putting a name and a face to that. So, um, so that's what, yeah, so that's the art and that's how I apply it. That's how I communicate it. But I, I also write, I talk workshops, all this sort of stuff as well, the usual stuff. I've seen it because I was, you know, stalking you on, on your website, but curious to know how you've represented, if you can describe the people that you know, are listening, how you've drawn anxiety and fear. What does it look like when you draw it? So I've created a character, and the character's name is Shookman. That's S H W O K and M A N, and um, two words, not one, because people often wonder. <laughs> I keep getting asked nowadays: is it one word or two? What I've created is essentially it, it, it started out as as a, an inside joke between friends or, or something that we would refer to and be like, "Oh, we gave a name." to to that little voice in our heads that would pipe up whenever we wanted to go over and talk to an attractive girl and it would tell us why it was not going to go well for us and so we started calling that name shook shook man and the reason why shook is in east london and i believe also jamaica shook means fearful or scared and then from there like it was like 2016 that essentially from a kind of sense of intuition I drew the first ever drawing of Shook Man, and I didn't know what he was going to look like. I just kind of free drew that. And essentially, I mean, he looks like what you would think fear looks like. <laughs> so, so um, I mean, it's pretty hard to describe. I, I could describe it, but I don't think he's really going to do it justice. I mean, his eyes are like two triangles. His nose are two circles. And he has a jaggedy mouth like Jaws. Some people say his ears look a bit like Batman, and that could lead me to copyright infringement. But... Others say there's enough of a there's enough of a difference, <laughs> so, but I think yeah. Does that give does that give an essence you think to the listeners? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it it reminds me of like a little. It almost looks like a little 
cat-like devil little creature. That's the kind of vibe I was getting from it. And so, yeah, I recommend people checking it out for sure so they can get a, like a visual visual representation. But yeah, I appreciate you you speaking into that, man. And, and you know, there's a... Because you mentioned like overcoming fear. Did you did you use the, the phrase defeating fear or overcoming fear? I, I couldn't quite catch that. I said I, I, I overcome. Yeah, overcome. Yeah, fear. I said overcome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm curious like what... Well, there's two questions here, I suppose. Like, what fears are people having, and and then how do you help them overcome that? Yeah. So, when I talk into fear, because it's interesting, I suppose like some people think about phobias or like fear of spiders, and when I'm what I'm talking about here is like the fear of going for what you want, the fear of you know, pursuing your desires in life, and and or like creating sort of life, or the fear of stepping out beyond your comfort zone, and the way in which I help people overcome that is by firstly making fear visible because normally it's something that just exists in our head. And, you know, you're a coach, you deal with a lot of men, you, you know, we rarely ever discuss how we're really feeling or even what we're thinking. And so that whole time we're quite isolated in how we're thinking and feeling. It's just in our minds. And we believe because we compare ourselves to, to other men. We believe that other men don't don't have that. You know, like we just think, oh, that he's clearly got it together. You know, Cam, he's got a podcast. He's you know he's out there. He's coaching men. He's he's he has no fears. Like you know, I'm over here with my concerns, my worries, my doubts. But other men, they're fine. And so on on the first level, what Shook Man makes available to people is. Um, um, a way for them to communicate their fears and a way for them to interact with it. And I find two things happen when when people start to in- interact with Shookman and start to appreciate it. Is One is they discover that everyone has a Shookman and that creates a sense of empathy for others and compassion for themselves. And what, I've, like, what I find time and again and what I love about this is just that how, again, it's not intellectual it's emotional and when you when you're when you experience that you just appreciate immediately like oh my gosh i'm not alone like this this, this sense of isolation dissipates and you start to feel like oh okay it's like a weight off my shoulders that's like oh there's other people feel like i do oh they have fears and doubts and worries and anxieties and it's not about how much money they make or how successful they are or you know wherever or whichever hierarchy they're on and I find what's interesting about this, since I've been doing this work and and teaching and um, and now teaching kids as well, is that it's the same. Like it's across all the ages, it's the same up and down. Like kids are having the same experience. I mean, it's obvious, right? As I say, that they would be if that's where it starts. <laughs> but right from there, when I introduce the concept of Shookman and they get to share in a group about what they're really thinking and feeling about what's coming up for them, they appreciate that everyone's got that. And that alone is the beginning. I'm not going to say that's the that's the complete answer. Um, the the next phase would be to really understand, like, where did your shook man come from? Why did you manifest him? And and that's the really cool part. That's where I'd say you really get to take your power back. Like, you really get to understand your fears and why you specifically have those fears. Because I believe everyone's unique, right? We're not going to have like a vanilla flavor of fear. Everyone's got their very unique experiences that led them to becoming fearful in different scenarios, whether it's with women or whether it's with chasing their goals or whatever in life. It's uh, something that has happened to us 
And only when we start to understand it that we start to go, okay, I see. We don't have to live that way anymore. Yeah, thanks for for explaining that, mate. And you know, I I, I resonate with this idea of once you start talking about your anxieties and fears and kind of opening up about it, recognizing that everyone has fear and anxiety, and it's like a very human experience. And you know, you were talking about how like that building of solidarity, essentially, right, of recognizing that we're all experiencing fear at some different degree about some certain thing uh, can foster empathy with others, right? And that's definitely something that I've noticed with the men that I work with. And especially when I host like men's groups or a workshop, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll kind of get the ball rolling by disclosing some of my own fears and insecurities and anxieties. And that'll kind of create the safety for other guys to start opening up. And one guy will be like, yeah, that actually really res- resonates with me. I had this experience. Some other guy over there will be like, oh, I don't really resonate with that, but this is what's kind of going on for me. And there's this like camaraderie of like, holy shit, like we're all feeling something, right? There's all, there's a, there's something there with regards to anxieties and insecurities. And, and you know, I, I appreciate the kind of anthropomorphizing of fear in the form of Shukman as well, because it kind of like detaches the fear from you as like the person, like you're not the person that, you know, is fear. It's like this, this thing that you can speak to this like little person or this, this identity or whatever it is, this like, you know, figure that is something that you can, you can have a conversation with, right? It like gives you that, that possibility. Cause I think like, especially when I, I talk to men about the stuff that they come to see me about, you know, they, they're coming with like these self diagnoses, essentially. Like I have premature ejaculation. I have performance anxiety. And almost like the I have is more like an I am. I am a premature ejaculator. I am, you know, you know, someone with erectile dysfunction. And what I kind of first do with them is I not necessarily anthropomorphize it, but I, I mean, I might apply that strategy, but I kind of try to distance themselves from that label that they've given because otherwise it becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy for the most part. Like I am a premature ejaculator, you know, is in my experience, at least as a coach, and it'll probably be different for therapists, is a hindrance to the progress that they can make, right? But if I can detach and say, you're not a premature ejaculator, you're someone that has this experience of premature ejaculation, let's work on that thing rather than like, you know, labeling, labeling yourself as this, this identity, I suppose. And that's what I kind of feel like the similarity there or the through line there between like that approach and this and and shook man as a as a representation that you can have a kind of conversation with does that right make sense at all totally i mean that's exactly what it is <laughs> that is <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what it is yeah so what i mean what do i even need to add to that i suppose that's what i've understood about shook man like when i first created it shook man like i said we used to joke about it, it used to be a thing me and friends would joke about and then one day I drew it and then i'm looking around for my, my shook man doll and where i put them oh there he is <laughs> so good. It's on the floor in my little shook man doll. Amazing. <laughs> so, you know, and like literally turning it into this other character that you can then converse with. And by by doing that, like just like you say, you you're you're separating yourself from you're separating yourself from that that um I mean the way that I have understood it is essentially our fears and our emotional responses are like a bundle of emotions that our body has. 
has has kept right and and so just like you're saying when when we're defining ourselves as i am or you know i have then essentially we're saying that is who we are but we are not our fears they are a response to things that have happened in the past and we are trying to protect ourselves from having similar experiences again and and so in that way it's our nervous system that is playing a, it's like a secondary character that you know not saying that we're all schizophrenic but it's actually becoming more looked at in psychology there's there's an idea called internal family systems a really cool book called no bad parts which i always forget the author of but it's and it's essentially where they discuss having multiple characters that we create from from when we're young to deal with the different things that came up in our lives and to protect us from that and in some cases these aspects like shukman can actually cause us to do self-harm as a belief of trying to protect us from something you know especially in the cases of people that have experienced like high levels of trauma or abuse like this is something that comes up and so it's like by actually being able to disassociate as you were saying then you can interact with it and start to understand it when you're in it and and i am the fear and and like this you know i you know i'm fearful like taking it to that level then it's very difficult to to get out of your head essentially but when you're like oh shook man <laughs> shook man's talking to me shook man's telling me this oh he's telling me this again um the other beautiful thing about that as we since as, we, as we're on that thread and what i've also discovered about it is it's repetitive so so once you get a good handle on it or, and, and become aware of it, it it's the same message it's the same fear like the same underlying assumptions that come up every single time because it doesn't change it's all based on things that have happened before not new things going forward so the way that i liken it to now is essentially like it's like humans are very i want to say fluid beings in in we're like on spectrums in general like you know people talk about sexual fluidity right nowadays and there's also gender fluidity they're talking about right so there's a lot of fluidity and we're just constantly in motion constantly malleable but we get fixed in our ways and by by the belief structures that we adhere to and our ability to disassociate and say well that's not necessarily true of me you know it's a, something i've decided from the past then you know anything's possible going forward so that's i think that's yeah so what what you were saying there is yeah it's bang on essentially it's bang on <laughs> appreciated it man and then thank you for for elaborating on it you know there there's a like one of the ways i've heard this described and I, I feel like it's it's very similar was I, I read a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and she's the author of Pride and Prejudice and talks about how like your life is like driving a car right and you kind of get to choose the directions that you're going in and the, and the roads that you take but you've got a backseat driver and fear is your backseat driver right? and sometimes fear tries to jump into the front seat and like grab onto the steering wheel you know, or tries to give you directions from the back seat, tells you like, no, don't go down that road, go down this road, or, you know, watch out for the cliff and things like that. Like gives you kind of like this voice that you, that you're trying to tune out and it never, never shuts up. And so one of the ways she talks about like ma ma managing that fear is like, give it a job to do, right? Like give it something to do. And she talks about like, maybe you can just pick the music fear. You know, you can, you can, you know, look out the window and tell me like what you see. 
right? So like this, and and again, the 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 principle there for me, at least what I took away from it was like again that detaching of like I am not the fear. The fear isn't like me. It's this thing here that I can have a conversation with. And when she says like give it a job to do, and this is me very heavily paraphrasing Elizabeth Gilbert's like <laughs> whole point. Okay, but what it feels like. And what I understood of that is like similar to what you kind of shared before is for like fear comes from somewhere, right? And oftentimes it's, it's trying to protect us, you know, like it's, it's a way of, it's a self-defense mechanism. Oftentimes the, the fear that we have around something, it's like, don't do that because it's, it's dangerous. And, and so doing it is going to be harmful. And so we try and protect ourselves by not doing that thing or by listening to the fear. Um, but oftentimes that, self-defense mechanism becomes over time not a self-defense mechanism that's serving us anymore it becomes maybe harmful to us it stops us from meeting new people it stops us from taking that risk with our career that could be really beneficial for us it stops us from doing certain things because we've kind of moved on from the point of where that fear began and so when she says like give it a job it's like okay cool i'm gonna give it a job of like you know listening to the fears, like write write them all down for me, fear, and I'll I'll assess them. I'll let you know, and then I'll get back to you with regards to you know whether or not I'm I'm going to take your advice or not. And so that was like one of the things that I was I was thinking of when you were talking about this idea of shook man. I imagine a little shook man in the back of my car giving me you know unsolicited directions. And so I'm I'm curious then, like you know what's a what's what's the kind of next step if we're working with Fear for working with Shukman. What do we what do we do to overcome it? Yeah. So with Shukman, everything is as you say, like he's he's there to essentially protect us in a particular way, and believes that believes that what he's doing is helping. That's the, that's the idea, right? So fear, Shukman, whatever you want to call it, whatever name you give it, it, it believes that it's helping us. And I mean, fear is inherently useful as a as a safety device, as something that prevents us from you know, doing harm to ourselves and whatnot. But in terms of living our lives and in terms of reaching our our potential, it it just doesn't cut it because it often you know in often ways it keeps us stuck or going in circles or you know tr- like trying the same things. And my deeper understanding of it is psychologically from from like the age of four or five, we've already decided that we're wounded. And so what our, like our shook man, our ego, that sort of shadow aspect of ourselves is always seeking to heal that wound. So it's like, okay, cool. So I want to start a business. And it's like the shook man or whatever jumps up from the backseat and goes, oh, you want to start a business? Okay, cool. So, okay, first of all, let's just, let's just reflect on the fact that you are inherently wounded. <laughs> And if we're going to be successful, let's look at that first, because without looking at that, what, well, you know, you're pretty much fucked, basically. Yeah. Like, how are you going <laughs> to? <laughs> so, so then you're like, all right, cool. So, what do I do? And so, right, okay. So, to fix that, what we need to do is da 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 da. And then, for some people, that's like taking like certain actions. Other people, it's like circumventing the fear by getting an authority. Other people, it's like throwing money, whatever. There's like a hundred thousand million different ways that that could that could carve up so becoming aware of that habitual pattern is useful because then you're able to spot it and go hang on this is what like this is how i normally approach life and what shook man serves to do and fear in general is it takes us out of the present moment and it takes us out of connection with our presence with our intuition 
with our sort of with our flow. Like you can't be fearful and in flow. And the 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 solution to to fear, in my experience, is to actually connect, therefore, with something that you l- would love to create, or something that you're inherently in, like brings you joy, not something that is derived off the back of okay, well, if I had X, then I could be Y. So for a lot of people, it's like if I had money, then I could be confident. Or if I had the attractive girl on my arm, then I'd be respected. Like, and in that way, that keeps the fear game going because actually, what they're talking about in the first example of money, it's like, well, I'm I'm fearful of being poor, and the second example is I I feel like I should be respected, <laughs> and so then you know, like I was saying about the wound, it's like you know, if you're seeking to be respected all the time, then you know you're gonna go. You're you're basically the old adage is like climbing a ladder and realizing you're up the wrong wall. And as opposed to, because no one actually really cares about being respected in that way. Like, obviously, we want to be respected, but as a life goal, it's not really the thing that you're after. You're after you're after fulfillment. You're after creating something that you like, that you are enamored by, that you enjoy. You know, like okay, so you've got this podcast, and if your whole podcast was always about you know people seeing you and being impressed by you. Like the podcast just wouldn't hit the same. Like it just it would have this, you know. Sure, some people would like it, right? But the resonance of it would be different to a podcast that's about, you know, you expressing a subject matter that you're inherently passionate about. And that's the difference. That's and and it's such a that there is is such a nuanced difference that it takes time to develop that. Because it's so easy to slip into the the wills and wants of Shookman and to be like, oh, but actually, like, will I be validated for for this activity? You know, will I make money? <laughs> will I get the girl? <laughs> will I get the validation? And so often we get dragged away. So that's why it's so important as an initial step to become aware of your Shookman and appreciate what it is that your Shookman is always after. And then when you're aware of it and you make that visible, you can then turn your focus to actually what you would really enjoy. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure-oriented, We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. Something I've noticed in terms of like a, I might say like a relatively universal shook man for a lot of the men that I've worked with. And I, I kind of discovered this when I, scratch at the surface of why they're coming to work with me. You guys will come and say, I want to last longer in bed. I want to do, I want to have more reliable erections. My sex drive isn't what I want it to be. I want to increase my libido, have more sex. When I start to like peel away those, and I, I use the term surface level there, but not in a, like a derogatory way. Those are very real concerns. But like if I go a little bit deeper with them, oftentimes that underlying fear is like, well, I'm not going to be, you know, 
but it's actually tiered. The, the, the first one is like, if I keep coming quickly, then my partner's not going to be satisfied. If my partner's not going to be satisfied, then they might leave me. If my partner leaves me, then I'm going to, you know, be alone and, and, you know, be a, a loser. And if I'm being alone and being a loser, I'm not being a man. And when I really drill down into it, that like is a very common fear, that root fear of like, I'm not man enough. I'm not enough. I'm not doing, you know, the things that, that will signify that I'm masculine enough or manly enough or, or whatever it is. The, the enough piece is like the, the key there. It's like, I'm not enough. And, you know, I, and I, I see you like not unique, but like specific things for men in general around like societal expectations of men, right? If you don't have a lot of female partners, right? If you don't have a lot of sexual partners, if you're not muscular and, you know, have a big stature, if you're not like extroverted and confident and assertive or dominant, like all these like really stereotypical things around masculinity, a lot of guys feel like they don't adhere to that or subscribe to that or fulfill those things, those kind of unwritten set of rules, then they're not, and again, man enough is the word that comes to mind, but they're like the, the, the enough piece is, is what comes comes up for me in it. And so it's like a self-worth piece or a self-esteem piece. I think the worth, like self-worth is a little bit more accurate. And so that's where I do a lot of work with men. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what the sex looks like. What did it feel like? Was it enjoyable? Did you have a good time? Did you connect with your partner? Was it intimate? Was it fulfilling? Right? It's kind of what you mentioned before. Was it meaningful to you? That's what we're wanting. Not did it fulfill this societal expectation of what a man and a woman is supposed to do in the bedroom. Who gives a fuck what that is? Right? Was it was it fun? Did you laugh? Did you cry? Did you have a good time with your partner? Were they invested in it as much as you were? Like focusing on the feeling rather than the the what it looks like is like my way of navigating that with them and, and helping them come to like, you know, that experience. Cause the 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 fear of that, right? The fear of like not lasting long enough or the fear of not staying hard enough or the fear of some guys have fears around like not ejaculating enough, right? Like their load size is too small, right? And so they fear that, you know, because of that, they'll be considered less less virile or less manly or whatever it is, right? That that fear shows up in a bunch of different ways but it's hindering their capacity for deeply intimate, pleasurable sexual experiences, both alone and with their partners. So like the, so I, I'd say to guys, like I can give you the breathing and squeezing techniques to like last longer to help you get and maintain an erection. But if you're not addressing that deeper, you know, need for validation as a real man or that fear of like, if I don't do this, my partner's going to leave me. I'm not going to be a man enough. Like if you're not addressing that and your approach to like life and to sex and to pleasure, then the the strategies, yeah, will help, but they're not going to transform the way that you have sex. They're not going to transform the way that you think about yourself. They're not going to transform the way that you experience your sexuality and your pleasure and your relationship with your partner. It's just going to be yeah, you're, you, it, it'd be the same. You just have sex for longer, <laughs> you know. Like it's not going to alleviate any of those things. So that's that's a pretty universal one that I notice for. And again, I've got a bit of a selection bias because those are the guys that come and work with me. So it tends to to be something that I, I see. But curious to know if you had any thoughts about like that fear of not being man enough. Well, it's interesting. Like just listening to that, especially the the, the contrast between learning techniques 
and then delving deeper to the like the underlying meaning behind why it is like that we feel that way or why that even comes up. So like, I mean, there's a few, there's a, there's a lot of different things that jumped into my mind as you were talking, you know, even the feeling overthinking essentially what you were saying. But yeah, I think that's that, that essence, there's like an essence to that in terms of, I mean, whether you're talking about, well, I can, I can talk about the sense of being it from, a, from a man point of view, but I was going to say just a human being point of view, we spend so much time thinking about stuff and, and believing that the lot like the logical aspect is the answer and then we miss out on the feeling of like living and experiencing and enjoying just what just what is and how it is because we're constantly comparing to something and we don't actually even know what that or who that comparison is to. So like when you say is my load size enough? Like you know I'd never actually heard of that one in particular. I was, I was just like, I was going to say, wow, like that's, uh, I mean, I can, I can appreciate that that could be one, right? But there's so many things that we do concern ourselves with. In fact, I did a, I did a, a niche men's group where it was about hair loss. And I just appreciated it because I started going a little bit on like boarding on top. So I like in my own experience of it and knowing how I felt about it and what I've tried to do to circumvent it, I appreciated that actually a lot of men must be going through something, even if they've already gone through it. And a couple of things that came out of that is one, the men that were on that call, including the ones that had felt that they had nothing to really concern themselves with anymore because they'd gone through that a long time ago like we all had something that was deeply hurtful and like something that in us that we just were struggling to accept in that in in that sense and the thing about that is because the other thing that came out of it is i have a friend who she does uh, i mean she's a dentist but then she went into doing uh what do they call it now? Like, like fillers and, you know, a lot of like oh, beauty right, right, and right. anti-aging stuff. Yeah. And uh, she was telling me like a lot of her clients on the male side are from the ages of 20 and like in the mid twenties into, into their forties. And I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, I, I met this guy. He was like 21 and uh, New Year's Eve just, just passed. And he said to me, like, he was amazed that I was 38 at the time. And he was literally looking at my face thinking, oh my gosh, you have no wrinkles. Like you've given me hope. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to him, Hey man, listen, like, uh, just appreciate the presence of where you are right now. Cause like you're literally 20, 21. You don't, you shouldn't, why are you thinking about this? Like, why is this even a thing? You're already thinking about hair loss and, and wrinkles. Like. I said, listen, by the time, I mean, this is a side note, but I said to him, this is where I'm at in life. I said, hey, listen, man, by the time you're my age, you might only have one leg. So (laughs) it's like, there's a long way to go. You just don't know what's going to happen, right? And as I was saying to my friend uh, of this story, I said, like, this anxiety is not normal. Like, this is, I don't believe, like, this is how we're supposed to be living, right? Like, but yeah, it's so prevalent. So like, you know, I mean, essentially, you wouldn't have a job in uh, this part of your job if if this part of like anxiety didn't exist right but it's so prevalent we're constantly worried rather than you know and our best years just disappear and we don't actually appreciate it in the moment we're constantly going we're not good looking enough we've got to do more we're not performing well enough and then before long we're older and our body's changing and there's nothing we can do about it 
So, you know, that's where like it's it really kind of brings me back to that. Like it's it's something I said to you before about like, you know, being free in the mind. That's something that has become more I'm becoming more and more aware of that as an idea behind Shook Man. It's like the idea of becoming unstuck, but it's also the idea of be, like being free in your mind. And what I mean by that is being free of all of like society's like um, desires for you, and and then being able to go, you know, I'm, I just enjoy being me, and this is how I feel. Because when you were talking about the men and how they were feeling in their sexual experiences, like I know I've had my anxieties, like, and I've had my my concerns and doubts. Like I didn't I didn't have sex until I was like in my twenties. I had like a a religious upbringing so i was like dead against having like penetration sex until until my early 20s so you know performance anxiety was definitely there but at the same time i've also experienced like great sex and i've also experienced being like deeply immersed so i know that both can exist and i and i, and I feel like what you said there about getting them from thinking to feeling is exactly that is getting out of thinking about something and into feeling and living the experience and then actually enjoying it as opposed to constantly assessing ourselves and judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves and demanding more. I mean, I, you know, I do it too, but like it's, I have an awareness of it now and I'm definitely far more in the playful sense of it. Um, I think again, that's where Shukman's quite useful because I can be like, oh, Shook man's doing his shook man thing again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, he's, yeah. you know, the backseat, yeah, oh, 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 okay, yeah, just let it go, bro. Like, and, and that's the thing, like, literally these days, that's more where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm way more able to engage with it. And it's quite interesting because you asked me earlier, you know, what did I say? Did I say overcome fear or did I say beat fear? Like, how did I word it? And I was like, no, overcome fear. And it's that sense of being able to interact with it. Yeah, I still get hit by fear or I can be anxious or nervous and I can be like, oh, okay cool this is exactly it this is exactly what i talk about okay you're like okay cool we're just going to go through this and we're going to you know we're going to contend with it and uh, and it's going to be fine but it's, it takes work right it takes work to get there yeah yeah and and there was something here that i wanted to say thank you for because it's a sticking point for me and i've tried to explain this so i'd be curious to get a little bit more of your thoughts on this you were saying that you know that state of anxiety that a lot of people are in isn't normal but it's very prevalent Right. And so that's the distinction that I try and make quite often as well is like the difference between something that's normal and something that's common. Because, yeah. And then, because something I was going to say before was like, oh, you're normalizing experiences of fear and like kind of in a sense. But I also have a sticking point around that, which is like, but it's not, it's like, it isn't normal to be in that state of fear. Right. Like our, our normal state as human beings, I believe, isn't fear and anxiety. It's, uh, I don't know, it could be stillness, contentment. Like maybe even joy, there's probably a, a good case to be made for like, we should be, you know, in flow, thriving in that space. That's the normal state that we're supposed to be in. So like, I have this weird, and I haven't articulated my thoughts around this, like as comprehensively as I would like, but I, I and so I want to just like pass this ball back to you and say, like, are you able to speak a bit more into like, you know, something that's normal versus something that's prevalent? Totally. So like fear, my understanding of it is fear and anxiety or fear and frustrations rather fear and frustrations are not real they're they're in our minds they're they're imagining like you know even like if you had a lion like chasing you there's a reaction there's a lion that's chasing you that's real the lion is real but your reaction is a like interpretation 
you know, like the guys that go, let's say people that go bullfighting, not that I have any experience of doing this, but I imagine they would have fear, but their experience of fear would be different to say, perhaps my, I was going to say you and I, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you're a good matador. I don't know. <laughs> you'd be like, actually, <laughs> I've got 20 years. <laughs> <that on me. laughs> yeah. I've actually got a PhD in, in all right, fair enough. But like, but, but in essence, yeah, they're still experienced fear, but like their experience will be different to say ours because they just have more, they have more experience of it. So yeah, what I've understood about it is it's like a guidance system and it's not real, but if you don't listen to it, you're going to create more of that. And where do I want to take this? Like, I suppose the, the interesting thing that's happening in society is that we're living more in our heads and, and like, like in general, right? Uh, more in our heads. And we're so like, Oh, this is happening. This, and it's just in here. It's not actually happening outside. I you know. So as people often say, fear is something, you know, we're concerned about something that, that could happen. And then depression and resentment, something that's like happened in the past. So then either one way or the other, we're not actually in the present moment. And so my, my understanding of it is, is that what is actually going on most of the time is we're being pulled out of the present moment. And the present moment is actually like right now is the only thing that ever matters because right now is the only thing that we ever have like like always <laughs> it's like like always right now and it's not to say that we're not supposed to think like any person i've come across and this is something that i aspire to who's quite spiritually uh, awake is someone who, who doesn't think so much they think as a tool they think when they need to figure something out and then they put it back they put it back down you know they they put the thinking back down and then just get on with living their lives once they've done the thinking part but for the rest of us, we're thinking, 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 and then a little bit of living and then thinking, 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 you know, driving along and thinking, 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 and walking, having sex and thinking, 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 you know, so it's a constant think and it's not actually being. So that's actually what I, I one of my mentors has always said to me is like, you know, you're a human being, not a human doing, you know, and getting back into that state. The other thing that comes to my mind as you were talking about this is, one of the most beautiful things I experienced was being on safari and we stalked a leopard for a while. In fact, that's that picture up there. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So I took, I took that picture. Wow. And, um, and it was phenomenal because just walking, completely doing its thing, you know, completely in the moment. It stops when it stops. <laughs> it moves when it moves. And it's there. It's doing it. And I remember coming back from that trip and for a while I would go to, I used to live in a, um, a part of London where there was a nice big park and I would walk and I would just be in that moment of walking and being completely present. And it felt amazing. I actually find being in the city is quite hard to maintain that level of presence. There's a lot of anxiety in the cities. Like I, I live in London and there's a lot of anxiety in London. So I think it's interesting. I think, I think, again, going back to that being free in your mind concept is like breaking out of that idea that we're constantly going to be in our heads. Oh, and just one more thing to add to that idea as well is, is this is the thing with like commercialism and adverts and, and propaganda and whatever you want to call it or politics or 
TikTok and social media and da, 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 whatever, when you realize that a lot of it is trying to pull at that very biological reactionary part of us and that that's taking us out of the present moment again it's a choice of whether you want to engage with it and how you want to engage with it but it's constant right like if i go to a big uh, like there's a west westfield here right if i go it's just constant barrage of buy this buy that check this thing out this is new have you considered this and everyone's that's what everyone's doing there now at my age i don't find that place so like necessarily entertaining or enjoyable like i go if i need to buy something but i'm not going to go and go hey let me spend a Saturday afternoon browsing shops because unless I need to buy something, it doesn't it doesn't interest me. But a lot of people it does, and and it's interesting, right? Because it's not necessarily real nature, real life, real experiences. It's just buying stuff, and a lot of us have got caught in a trap of making money, buying stuff, making money, buying stuff, making money, buying stuff. Um, it's interesting. It's like, like how society is geared. There's a, this is a little bit tangential, but there's, I can't remember who made this point and I'm going to do my best to, to summarize it. But there was this, this idea that, you know, for example, religion plays on our fears, right? It plays on our fear of death. It plays on our fear of not living a good enough life in order to get to heaven. I'm talking about like your monotheistic Abrahamic religions, essentially. And like, the point that was being made is like the particularly in kind of like the secularized versions of the West, these, these kind of big monolithic shopping centers have replaced churches and temples and sacred spaces. And to tie this back into fear, like a lot of what these, these shopping complexes are doing are again, preying on our fears of, you know, not, of missing out, right? Of missing out on the new latest thing, which is going to signify that we're successful, right? This fear of not being good enough in society, like very similar fears to the fears that religion preys on in order to espouse its doctrine. This is kind of like the doctrine of, I might say consumerism, right? Which is like, if you don't get this thing, if you don't have these things, then you're going to be seen as lesser than, you're not going to make it into the promised land, right? With all the great, you know, new technological kind of things that are available. And so it's a very similar, at least in my observation, and even my feeling as well. I went to an Anglican school when I was growing up and there was fear stoked around not getting into heaven. And now like when I go to a big shopping center like that, I have this fear of like, oh, if I don't get these things, I'm going to be seen as less than, or I'm not going to accept it into whatever the consumeristic version of heaven is, I suppose, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, keeping up with the Joneses kind <laughs> of mentality. So that was just like a very tangential thing that I wanted to to mention because that popped into my mind as you were talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the second time today that this basically has come up in this way. And I just was going to add, like, because I had a friend say something similar to me, but he was talking about the seven deadly sins and, and how, like, a lot of things are, like, targeting humans. Like, he said, apparently, every social media platform targets one of those, like, seven deadly sins, whether it's, like, gluttony or comparisons and i don't know all of them but what's interesting is from a marketing perspective and also from a like human reactionary animal perspective i i once learned and found very interesting that they refer to the sins as a sine wave so there's the seven sine waves and we all go through cycles and when you when you're not enlightened 
in, in, in a sense, if we don't have awareness of that, then you're easily pulled from one polarized state to another. So, so we, we, you know, like we're constantly being polarized one way or the other. Uh, but when, if like what they mean by an enlightened person is someone that neutralizes rather than they live in a neutral state rather than being polarized one way or the other. So, you know, they get the same trigger, but then they're able to neutralize that emotion and go, oh, okay, well, that could be a good thing. So the amplitude is like minimized, right? Yeah. So like, you know, like you're saying, you go and for, for some reason, uh, when you were talking about whatever the commercial version of heaven was, I thought Apple AirPods, <laughs> like everyone all of a sudden, <laughs> like everyone Devoted had them to... all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve Jobs. That's right. <laughs> he will That's save right. us. <laughs> yeah. So... So, um, but yeah, like when, when you're uh, like aware of that or awake to that, then all of a sudden you, you, you know, it doesn't mean you don't buy the things, but it's kind of like, you know, I have a lot of Apple stuff. I like it, but you just become more just aware, I suppose, and awake to like, do I need this? Do I always need to get the new latest iPhone? Is it necessary? No, it's not. (laughs) So, so yeah. Well, this leads me into like what I was going to follow up with you about, and you, you've beautifully segued kind of into it, which is like, this is, a, this is something you said right at the beginning of the podcast that I've been waiting to like ask you about. And so maybe the next 10 minutes, we can kind of like unpack it a little bit is this idea that you like, you, know, you mentioned at the beginning, overcoming fear to experience joy. And then you mentioned about halfway through that you can't be in flow if you're in fear. And so the way that I, I feel like you you're framing this as like that these two things are mutually exclusive, right? Like fear is mutually exclusive to joy or fear is mutually exclusive to flow. But my my question, I suppose, around this is, can you have one without the other? Like, do you really experience joy if you've never experienced fear, right? If you've never, if you've never had a low, how do you know when you're at a high? You know, there's this like juxtaposition that needs to happen in order for you to notice one or the other. If you're at that neutral state the whole time, which can be pleasant and like, you know, maybe what we can strive for, yeah, how do you know if there's a high if you've never had a low and vice versa? How do you know if it's a low if you've never had a high? You've got nothing to necessarily compare it to. That's kind of my thought process here. And curious to know if you had any thoughts around that. Yeah, I mean, my my education around this stuff is basically as above, so below. So one's ability to go into the depths and understand their ego, their, their fears, their worries, their doubts, their shook man essentially allows them the access to then experience the higher. Because I've found many times in my life, like uh, once I've been able to surrender to the thing that I was fearful of and uh, start to understand it rather than resist it, then I, then I experience a high. But for as long as I resist it, then, then I'm stuck, you know, and then it's just painful for a prolonged period of time. But by being able to face it, by allowing myself to look at it and accept it, Accept the experience, accept that it's happening. Uh, I'm feeling fear. It's not I like, you know, this is the opposite to say positive thinking or just simply doing affirmations with the idea of like, I'm just going to focus on the positive. So I've, I've studied emotional alchemy. So Shukman comes from a lot of that awareness. And I've, uh, what I've done is I've been able to repackage it in a particular way to make it more accessible. And what I mean by emotional alchemy is the idea that we exist in a plane that is physical and by very nature, it is a low, it's a lower vibration reality. 
And yet the higher self, the, the, the soul, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, that's a, that's a higher vibration, right? So when we think about it in the terms of physics, it's literally a solid, the particles are moving slower. And a gas and whatever, the particles are moving faster. And, 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 and um, that's like G- basic GCSE science. <laughs> bring, it, bring, it to the, bring it to the podcast here. <laughs> You know, guys, you know, when you turn ice cube into steam, <laughs> so, so, but, but it's an energy thing, right? Like it's, it's, we're talking about energy here. And so like things like fear, worries, doubts, anger, these are all lower vibrational experiences and human beings, as I understand it, we're like antenna. So when we're, when we're like focused on that lower vibration, that's what we're experiencing. That's what we're bringing in alchemists or magicians or whatever you want to call it on an emotional level is the alchemy on that level is the ability to transmute that and so my my awareness of this or what i've understood about this is it's it's not a bad thing to have a shook man it's not a bad thing to have negative emotions as you say that is the breadth of the human experience it's like you start to appreciate like yeah it's you it's actually quite cool that we get to experience sadness. It's like, what a, what a thing to experience loss and grief and love on the flip side, right? Like you wouldn't have love without grief, right? And speaking into something about the archetypes, the king, the warrior, the lover, the magician. And one of the things that I was fascinated to learn with the lover was that as soon as you love something, you've given yourself over to grief because as soon as you love something, one way or the other, that love will come to an end at some point. And so you know that. And so it's just a, like, I feel like in life, like, when I feel like this is, you know, this is what's obvious to me is everything exists in that duality. And being able to embrace both sides is actually that I think is, is like a, it's a path to life mastery. So it's, it's, it's something that. I don't know if everyone's on that path, like, like, or at least not consciously on that path, but I feel like that's a path to mastering the human experience and appreciating everything that happens. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does, man. And, you know, it reminds me, um, you kind of mentioned before, like that sine wave, right. And like minimizing the, the amplitudes and, and that I recall. So I, I ordained as a Buddhist monk in Northern Thailand for, I did, you know, six months at a monastery there. And, one of the things that I, you know, and I did that prior to then studying you know, classical Tantra, so Shaiva, Shaivism. And one of the things that I, I kind of personally experienced is like the difference between the two, because I, I was a Theravadan Buddhist monk, was like, you know, that contentment or that neutralization space for me personally, and I probably did this wrong, didn't necessarily feel like enlightenment. It felt like indifference. And it was like this, there was no, emotionality connected to the world around me you know like i didn't feel activated or passionate or triggered or alivened by by really anything which you know was was nice to some extent right i was able to like you know i don't want to say that it clicked for me straight away this was a long process but like through the meditative practices and through the vipassana and through the um, noble silence i was observing it was a calmness it was a tranquilness at some level, it felt like indifference, like I wasn't connected to the world around me. Comparing that experience to you know, going to India and studying classical Tantra, which was much more about noticing what's here and now, like being present, being in the moment and like appreciating what it is that you're feeling and like living through 
what it is you're feeling, not necessarily trying to neutralize anything necessarily, but finding enlightenment through the specific things that you're feeling right now, whether it is the grief, whether it is the joy, whether it is the sadness, whether it is the the ecstasy, whatever it might be. Um, but it was much more about being in the present moment and everything being divine, as opposed to the kind of Buddhist approach, at least in my experience, felt like nothing was divine. And the the way to to, to kind of transcend that nothingness of that was to was to reach enlightenment or that state of like disconnecting from the physical. Whereas my experience through Tantra was like, no, divinity is in the physical. It's like experiencing it to its fullest. That's how you reach that enlightenment practice. And so and that's you know what I kind of lean towards now in terms of like my my lived experience is like, can I fully accept and appreciate and acknowledge and celebrate my anger, my grief, my joy, my you know, pleasure, you know, how can I live that full spectrum of human experience, you know, in in its fullest capacity, I suppose, rather than trying to disconnect from it all and come to that that tranquil state, I suppose. And maybe I get glimpses of that tranquil state when I do some certain practices and um, I go for a walk in nature, for example. But but yeah, the full spectrum is like much more what I use as my approach to to life at the moment. So yeah, well, I don't know what I felt like sharing that to see if it landed or if you had any thoughts on that. I, th- I think that's one, one of the most beautiful, beautiful things about life is there's just, just so many ways to live it, right? Like for every one of us that has one experience, another person's going to say, well, this is what I found is useful. Or this is what I found was good. And I haven't had those specific experiences like in, in that way. And what's interesting for me is I feel like, of course, I've studied a lot and I've, I've kind of meandered on my path but i've never i think perhaps because of my religious upbringing i kind of left all doctrine and all formalized ways of being like behind and and just wandered in a way and like not like literally wandered in the desert but like wandered and in terms of just experiencing things and trying things out and just seeing what sticks for me but I, it definitely resonates and like in in a sense that i mean i feel my emotions i don't placate my emotions and at the same time, there is a, a philosophy that when I am experiencing, there's something that I, I, I adhere to or practice rather, it's called the swing, like the swing of the pendulum. Like when you go from one, like you say all of a sudden, like you're experiencing joy, you've created something beautiful in your life and you're loving it. You can pretty much expect like the sine wave, there's going to be a swing of the pendulum because things happen energetically in waves. They say like alchemists don't sit on the pendulum, they sit on the apex and they observe the swing. And that's a practice that, that I've learned because, because that can manifest physically as well, not just as an emotion, but something's physically going on. And that can take me away from the focus of what I'm trying to create. And then that could actually take me off path. So like, that's how I think of it. But uh, in essence, like in terms of being human, like, as I said, I'm, like I'm 39, and my experience is that you know I enjoy the human experience. Like this is all, this is all I know of. And the longer I live, the more I appreciate that, or I become like the like I don't know what's gonna like what will come next. Like really, because at this stage, uh, I've experienced a lot. <laughs> I've experienced. I mean, there's so much I haven't experienced. But in terms of 
the awareness of the experience, whether it was like loss or grief or upset or, or, or happiness and joy. But then also this deepening awareness as I, as I move along, like, I mean, you talk about like appreciating anger. Uh, I, so I have a coach myself and in, in, uh, in my session with her yesterday, it came up like this anger that I have for the fact that I have a bad back and it prevents me from doing a sport that I love and that I don't allow myself to experience that anger. And I was like, huh. And so then I became aware of it. And I was like, yeah, fuck. I'm like, I am fucking angry about that. Like it is upsetting. And, and so like, and, and it's like, oh, another layer of the onion. And I find so much of that in life. Right. So, so I, I think it's beautiful. I, I, like, you know, whatever your experience is and, and wherever you're at with it, like I'm fascinated because like, that's not my experience, but you've clearly walked that path and you've gone deep into it. And you said a whole bunch of words that don't mean much to me because I don't know what they point to, <laughs> but to you, they're like a lifetime of of moments that and and wisdom that you that you now obviously channel into your work and you're helping people with and and i think that's like for me i had someone say to me recently like they they felt sorry for me because um they felt sad for me not sorry they felt sad for me because i said i believed in god um even though i'm not religious and i said to them like well why do you feel sad because i was like i don't feel sad that you don't believe like I'm just okay with like whatever because I've realized like we're all living this one like this wondrous path, but we don't actually. No one actually knows. <laughs> like no one actually knows what's going on, and that's one thing I love coming back to. Like I, I love coming back to the fact that we're. Like, I often say to my friends like we're spinning on this rock going around the sun, and uh, in the middle of nowhere, and like no one can actually tell us what's actually going on here. <laughs> And so, so like that for me is, I mean, for some people, that's quite unnerving uh, when they hear that. But for me, it's quite calming in a sense, because I think so much of our life, we're told what to think and believe. And then eventually you realize that actually no one could possibly know. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And And look, I am mindful of time. And so I want to give you an opportunity to like share any words of wisdom that you have for, you know, I've got a pretty uh, strong you know, young male following, 25 to 35 men. And um, so curious if you had any final thoughts to share with that particular demographic around like overcoming fear, finding joy. Yeah, I think the, the, the big thing that comes up for me these days is um, sharing the importance of doing the work to understand your emotions. I think that like that is, that breeds so much resilience in life because you know especially when we're young we just don't realize like how much we're going to experience ups and downs and pains in life and becoming aware of your emotions and understanding why you feel what you feel and like we've discussed on this on, on this uh, podcast the ability to accept how you feel is so important like I, like I said, I've been for a lot, like, in, especially in this last year, like emotionally, and I'm really happy and even proud of myself for where I'm at today because of like, because of the way I think and feel. And I know it's not the case of everyone. It's so easy to get caught up and stuck with things that have happened in our life. And that can really turn to bitterness and that can keep us really stuck or even that can really take us on a downward spiral uh, in life. And I, 
you know, I, re- I really believe that life is about creating joy. It's about pursuing things, new experiences, growth, awareness. And just to conclude on that point is like when you become more emotionally aware, like one of the magical gifts of that is no matter what happens in your life, it becomes useful to you. It becomes something that becomes part of you as opposed to something that holds you back and something that you can either work with or you create art with or it becomes your, you know, you become a coach in that thing because it's something that you realize is a stepping stone to your personal growth. Yeah, I appreciate you you ending on that note, man, and 100% resonate with it and, and highly recommend the men listening, heeding that advice as well. So appreciate you sitting down, mate, and, and speaking with me and sharing some of your wisdom and, and going off on a few tangents as well. That was quite enjoyable. So yeah, just really thanking you, mate, and um, really appreciating you sitting down. No, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You'll have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind-the-scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.